Welcome to the Family Biz Show. According to Family Enterprise USA, family businesses in the U.S. account for over 64% of GDP and employ 62% of the workforce. In other words, they are the backbone of our economy. But success doesn't come easy. Only 13% are operating in the third generation. The Family Biz Show is here to help. Listen in weekly to hear stories from other family businesses and industry thought leaders so that you and your family not only survive, but thrive. Welcome, everybody, to the Family Biz Show. I'm your host, Michael Columbus, and we're really excited today. This has um, been a long time coming. We've been interviewing, you know, thought leaders throughout the family business industry for the first 15 or so episodes, and um, what we realized we were missing was the voice of the family business. And so today is our kickoff with uh, two incredible uh, businesses here in Rochester, um, Anthony Daniele from the Daniele family of uh, businesses and Ray Isaac from Isaac Heating and Cooling, um, Air Conditioning, sorry, Ray. Yeah, right, right, right there, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so we're, you know, we're really excited about this and um, the topic to, or the, the title today, we had titled it The Hot and Cold of two family businesses and people might be wondering, you know, it makes sense with Isaac Heating and Air Conditioning, how is that for both? And um, for those of you who don't know, the Daniele family has businesses in, you know, Rochester, New York and down in Florida. So you can't get much more hot and cold than, uh, than that. So again, welcome and thanks for joining us guys. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael. What I'd like to do is just to start out with is if, you know, Give me an abbreviated version of how you got to where you are today within the family business and, you know, who started it, you know, what were some of the, the early, you know, what did it look like early on? Um, I know if I'm talking to a fifth generation business, that's the whole hour. So, um, you know, Ray, I know, I know you've got a bunch of things in there. And Anthony, you probably got more stories than, uh, than I know at this point, but uh, Anthony, why don't you kick us off and just tell us how you got here and give us a little bit of the history. Sure. Thanks. Thanks again, Mike, for having me. It's, it's an honor to be here with you and, and with Ray, uh, Ray Isaac and, and his uh, wonderful family and the legacy that he has uh, taken from a wildly successful company to a tremendously wilder and more sexy company uh, <laughs> than, than he started with. So it's an honor to be here with you. But so the Daniele family of companies uh, is basically made up of my mother and father, Mario and Flora, uh, who came from Italy back in, uh, well, my mother came in the early 50s, my father in the mid 60s. And um, basically, you know, with the shirt on their back, uh, started out with a little pizzeria in Farmington Hills, Michigan. My brother and I were both born there. Um, and then we came to Rochester, uh, when my brother and I were very young, my father continued in the restaurant business and really, uh, that, that's really what was the base creation of the Daniele family of companies. Many people remember Mario's on East Avenue, Mario's on Monroe Avenue, uh, a couple basil restaurants, Crab Shack. So really, uh, our family has been based in hospitality uh, from when my parents came from Italy. 
and then, you know, probably about 10, 12 years ago, my brother and I came up with a concept that we didn't want to necessarily be in the restaurant business until we were 60, 65 years old. And, uh, you know, without dragging out a story, we, we, we kind of stumbled upon the car wash business. We had a piece of property at Monroe and Clover. We knew it was great demographics, a great piece of property that if, if, if developed correctly, could make good living for my brother, my father, my mother and I and our families. And uh, we came up with the car wash concept. And uh, it wasn't easy to get approved in the town of Brighton, but we, we got there. And uh, now we have uh, 10 operating car washes with three more under development. Uh, the goal is to get to 20 by the year 2025. And uh, we're well on pace to do that. And I'd say what we're most proud of uh, is not only, you know, as I mentioned with the Isaac family, is not only taking what my father and mother created, uh, which was pretty, a pretty amazing story in and of itself, uh, but my brother and I being able to parlay that into something, uh, you know, something bigger and, and better in a lot of ways uh, while hanging on to the roots of hospitality and customer service, which is uh, what really made my family successful. Uh, and what we instill in our employees and, and we believe is the secret sauce, if you will, uh, for all any of our business. The widget may change, whether it's car wash or meatballs, but uh, it's all about hospitality. It's about taking care of customers. And, uh, you know, that seems to be a common thread with successful companies. Love it. Thank you for sharing. You know, it's you, you said a couple of things that I just want to hit upon. Your family came from Italy directly. And there's a lot of correlation between immigrants and family businesses. And it just, you know, take out the business side of it and just watch the immigrant families, the first generation scrapping to make things happen when they get to the new country doing things. The second generation doesn't always, you know, they saw how hard mom and dad worked. So they work, you know, as hard to manage those things. And by, by the time, you know, the kids come around though, they've been indoctrinated into whatever the new society is and whatever the new country is. And, you know, they forget the old language and they, you know, they don't do things exactly the same way. So it's, yeah, you know, and, and your, your business, and I'm sure we'll get into it during this hour, but uh, you know, the hardest, the biggest challenge uh, for me and my brother uh, is, is uh, instilling that same hunger, passion and intensity in our children. You know, we've done a great job providing for them. Uh, but in doing so, you know, there, there's more food on the table than we can eat. And, and that, that, that lack of hunger uh, raises a new challenge for me as a parent. You know, my, my father, you know, when I said I wanted a, a Rubik's Cube or a car, he said, no problem, work your ass off in the business, I'll pay you on Friday. And if you work hard enough and you make enough, you can have a Rubik's Cube or a car or maybe even both. Right. Uh, but when you just have a car, it's, it's, it's harder to do. So, yeah. And, and that was the second thing that you said was that my brother and I saw what my parents did, knew that we might not want to do it exactly the same way, but we parlayed that and their, you know, success. And then you made your own. And so that's, you know, always one of the secrets in each generation as a family business is going, there has to be another entrepreneur that you're either green and growing or dead and dying. And so unless you can find that person to instill that in there, that's, you know, it's important. I have some ideas for you and I have some people that you might want to get on their blogs and follow them. They do some great stuff with kids. Um, I wish that I was following these blogs 15 years ago, but you still got a chance and so does your brother for sure. So Ray, take a, take a second, walk us through, um, 
your family history and how did you get here today? Well, before I do that, I, uh, I want to thank uh, Anthony and the Daniellis because I don't know how many family businesses can have customers that say some of the most memorable moments in their life were celebrated at their establishments. So, you thank know, you. graduations, parties, anniversaries, birthdays, fashion shows, uh, you know, things that, you know, that, uh, that's special. So, you know, you guys were a strong part. We started on East Avenue because it was right down the street from our, one of our locations uh, when we moved to Rochester. So we used to go in the, into the smaller location right there across from Wagner. A lot of fond memories, Ray. Yeah. So congratulations and thank you. Thank you for that. That was uh, that's special. Um, Isaac is 75 years old. My grandfather started the business. We're the third generation. And as Michael and I have talked about in some of our previous conversations, we're the generation that kills it. There's a 4% success rate of third generation businesses. And we can talk a little bit about that. But my grandfather started the company. Uh, he quit his job. Uh, my grandmother was in the hospital giving birth to child number five, I think, at that time. Went in, told her that he was going to quit his job and start his own heating business. And it was George T. Isaac Automatic Heating and Sheet Metal. And my dad always joked that it was a good thing that they kept the mothers in the hospital for about a week back then when they gave birth. Because if she could have got out, she would have killed him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, imagine he was, a, he was an entrepreneur himself. Um, that was his first real job. And my dad and my uncles all worked there at one point. My aunts all worked there. So they almost had eight people in the in the family business at that time. I'm glad I didn't have to deal with those challenges. We've had close to that at some times, but uh, my, uh, I think my dad probably sat and talked to Mario a number of times because, uh, you know, you want that three-speed bike over, over at Yahtzee's? Uh, here's how much it's gonna cost, and this is what you can do. Child labor laws don't apply to family businesses, or at least they didn't back then, because at eight years old, we were in the back of the, the, back of the shop cutting up sheet metal. Uh, for uh, what they call duck hangers and you had to cut them into small strips mom used to do a hand check when we got home we'd have to hold up our hands just to make sure we had all of our fingers so you know if we wanted something we had to earn the money to go and buy it and his his one rule though was that he had a lot of rules but his one rule was that you can do whatever you want you just better have a passion and a purpose for it and if you're not passionate about this business I don't want you here and I'm fine with you going and doing something else and I think we did a great job of promoting that. Uh, my brothers and I, there's uh, four of us now that own the company. We bought it from my dad, my uncle, and my sister about three years ago now. And when I say bought it, went to GRB, got a loan, wrote a check, and, and bought the business. And that is another element that we can talk about of, uh, of succession planning that I think is, is paramount is to have some skin in the game. But um, we went and bought it, but none of the fourth generation are in the business and none of them are interested. Uh, we have a few kids tra uh, you know, training or educating to be dentists. We have chefs, we have real estate agents and brokers. We have nurses and we have people that work in production. And we have one 15 year old that still doesn't know what he wants to do, but he's gonna figure it out in the next couple of years. Uh, so he might go into the trades, I don't know. But you know, that's, uh, that's kind of our legacy. Um, and we have that obligation to make sure that we can get it through the third generation and figure out what that fourth generation looks like, uh, whether it be Isaacs or not. Ray, we were talking, you know, about, you know, your history and Anthony, we share, you know, got, you know, the, the history behind, you know, your family business. One of the things that we have seen, you know, through the years is when we're talking to family businesses, the, the values of the family, um, have permeated themselves, you know, into the business. 
Um, would you mind sharing, you know, you know, if, if you know them off the top of your head, if you don't know them, that's a-okay. But if you do, you, you know, know the family's values and what are the, have they permeated into the business and how, and if so, how? Hi, Bob. I'll kick it off. My dad had uh, three or four sayings. I, I already gave you one of those. You know, if, you, you know, if you're going to do something, have a you know, passion and a purpose for it. But uh, he had, for family coming into the business, he had, the first one was, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And I actually have an hour-long keynote based on that for family businesses and other businesses that is geared towards the people I shouldn't have to say it to, uh, you know, people that come into business without a passion. And those are usually the family members because there's that legacy trap that they get sucked into, you know, your last name's on the business. I mean, who else are we going to give it to? You got to be here. And, you know, if you look at Anthony and Danny, I mean, they didn't want to be a restaurateur for the rest of their lives until they're 65, work every single holiday, work every weekend and be there until two o'clock in the morning and miss every event in every person's life that is meaningful to them. So, I mean, they were there for my meaningful moments, but not their own people. Um, his other one was, your last name's a responsibility, it's never a privilege. That uh, when you have the last name, the same one on the company, that is a responsibility and don't ever throw it around like it means anything. And you're gonna get paid for what you do, not for who you are. And that was right from day one, or you're gonna get a penny, a, a, a piece of a duck hanger, you're gonna get a penny for each one you do, or a half a penny. So you're gonna get paid for what you do. I'm, I'm paid as the president and CEO. I have three brothers who are partners, and on the ownership side, we're all paid evenly if we declare a bonus or a dividend at the end of the year. But for what we do, we are paid differently. So if my brother wants to be a service technician and my second oldest brother, David, is, he's paid as a commercial service technician and works for a commercial manager who works for a VP who works for an executive VP who technically works for me. So I'm kind of four degrees of separation from my brother. That's maybe sometimes a good uh, process in a family business. But those were pretty much his hardcore philosophies. And uh, those are the ones that we have lived by and have really guided us in, in our actions and our thoughts. And then really the, the one item you could talk about for hours is culture in an organization and the family is gonna set that culture and those set the culture for the family. That's awesome. Well, just real quick, did your dad, you know, come up with those on his own? Were those something that, you know, he, you know, he read in a family business book or, you know, something because, you know, those are exactly the things that we try to teach family businesses over and over again. And they're so hard for most people to pick up on and, and utilize. Um, well, Jeff knows my dad very well. Um, he probably came up with those himself, but wouldn't take credit for it. He might, he might've, what do we call R and D robbed and duplicated them uh, from somebody but really, those were the basis of what he really thought you should always have as an equity business, not a lifestyle business. And we have, Isaac is an equity business. We run it like it's General Electric. So I'm not sure where he got them from, but uh, they've been repeated to us uh, over the years. And, and uh, that was something that was our, our orientation, our handbook when we came into the business. That's the, the family handbook. And I think it had one page on it and those three were written on it. So love it. Thank you. Anthony, within, you know, within your family, what are the values that are, that are guiding the business? You know, it's really neat, both of you, if you go to your, the family's websites, it talks about the values right up there and you, know, you, you can see them, but if, would you mind sharing them with us? Sure, and, and uh, obviously there's a reason Ray and I are on this together. I think there's a lot of synergy 
uh, between the dynamics of the companies and, and the family history. Uh, when my father had the restaurants on East Avenue, uh, the front page of the menu had the words passion and integrity. And, and growing up, uh, you know, Ray used the same passion word. And again, if you don't love what you're doing, uh, it shows. And, and again, regardless of the widget that you're selling to people, uh, people can tell whether you care about what you're doing. And that'll translate into whether you care about what you're doing for them and if you care about them. And so uh, the passion has to do with, uh, you know, wanting to be where you are and the integrity is standing behind uh, what, whatever it is you're providing, knowing that you're not perfect and that uh, uh, if, if, it's, if you didn't do it right the first time, you'll do it right the second time. Uh, since that time, the restaurant business, my brother and I, uh, if you go to any of our car washes, uh, a lot of our employees have pins that they wear on their hats. Uh, there's a brass emblem next to the front door of every car wash with the initials WIT and uh, WIT stands for whatever it takes. And so uh, when an employee, uh, when a fairly new employee does something going above and beyond for a customer or for the business itself, uh, they're awarded a pin, a wit pin. Uh, and, and so, you know, while we have rules and we have a handbook and there are laws of the state of New York and the federal government uh, and morals and standards, there is also the doing whatever it takes to make our customers happy. And so they're almost allowed a free pass aside from the rules uh, as long as they can look us in the face and say, I did it because I felt it was the right thing to do for the customer. They'll never get reprimanded and, and they'll be applauded for, for doing whatever it takes to make people happy. And then I guess the overlying uh, theme of our organization is in fact hospitality. And you could tie that WIT, you can tie passion and integrity into that. Um, and that's one of the funny things when, when we got into the car wash business, you know, we, we are, all of our employees wear bow ties and pressed blue shirts. And, you know, what does a bow tie have to do with washing cars? Absolutely nothing. But what we've decided when we started that, that car wash business was we weren't selling washing cars. We were selling a feeling that you get uh, as a customer when you first get pulled into the property, the first smile you see uh, from the kid that's, that's spraying your car and, you know, going through to the show of the car wash. Now at the end, hopefully your car is clean. If it's not clean, that's gonna be a problem eventually, but uh, cleaning the car is not a big deal. Uh, fixing a furnace is probably not a big deal. Uh, it's everything else that goes around with it. You know, there's a lot of companies that fix furnaces, but uh, you know, it goes way beyond just the, the bag of tools. And uh, those, are, those are the underlying principles of the company. Yeah, you know, when we were talking earlier, as you, as we, when we started, you said, you know, those values and the, that passion and the, you know, the, that was written on the top of the menu. You just said that it doesn't matter what business you're in. And that's what's really, you know, you've taken what you've learned from mom and dad and that hospitality feel, and now it's going into a whole nother industry. And I would imagine that no matter what industry you were in, whether it was, you know, real estate development or, you know, it was, you know, retail, you're going to bring that same level of service and attitude and hospitality to that. And that's pretty unique. I think at the end of the day, what it really boils down to is kind of the, the purpose, um, you know, of the Daniele family is to serve. Um, and there may be another word, and you may have talked about that already. And so it just doesn't matter, you know, what the industry is. Um, this is just who you guys are, and you do it, do it very, very well. Thank you. That's Thank you. perfect.
The other thing that I grasped onto um, is, um, come on, oh, whatever it takes. When you're talking about that, that pin, to me, you know, what I got out of that is when I'm talking with, with family businesses, we talk about actions to live by. And so it's, you know, how do we take, you know, what our, what our BHAG is, the big, hairy, audacious goal. How do we take, you know, our core values and our core purpose and turn them into actions to live by? And that pin, I mean, you guys, exemplary examples of how to do this kind of stuff. And I, when, when family members talk to me and say, oh, why should I, you know, why should I give, give that pat on the back? Why should I put that pin on their shoulder? Why do, you know, why do I do that? Well, this is exactly why. Because what's the look on somebody's face, Anthony, when you know they're given that pin the first time, right? Yeah, that's you know that that that's what makes you know p putting on the bow tie and uh, they go home and you know we we've got we have so many stories of employees that just love working for our company and you know frankly they're making a little over minimum wage and and they're standing outside sometimes in five degree weather spraying water up in the air. It does not sound like a very sexy picture. Uh, but we, we try to make them part of something bigger uh, that's, again, not about washing the car. It's about something else. And, uh, um, you know, that, that's how my father taught my brother and I. Uh, that's hopefully how we're teaching our children. Um, and and that, that's what makes it work. Ray, you know, do you mind picking up on that a little bit? You know, talking about actions to live by. What are some of the ways that you're working with, you know, the employees throughout the company and rewarding them, you know, when you see them doing the things that your family values. Yeah, uh, some great ideas. I actually jotted a couple of those down. So thank you, Anthony. Um, we, uh, we, we try to take a very personalized approach. Uh, as Anthony can tell you, and any company can tell you, as, the, as you grow, it, the, the greatest challenge in the organization is maintaining and nurturing that culture. And that is our jobs as the leaders is to nurture the culture in an organization. And we define culture as the predominant thoughts, actions, beliefs, emotions, discussions, disagreements, interactions in an organization. You could sit in somebody's office for 20 minutes, watch how people interact, and you're going to get an idea of what the culture is. And as the leaders in the organization, we need to nurture that culture. And the first way we're doing that is, is by being happy when you come in. I, I, uh, when I do my keynote speeches on the Never Work a Day in Your Life, I do a quiz at the beginning, and I have everybody close their eyes and raise their hands uh, in response to a question if they agree with it. And first I qualify that with, you know, has anybody been reincarnated? And everybody says no. And I ask how many of you are the owners or the family in the business? And most people raise their hands and said, okay, how many of you love going to work every single day, no matter what day it is or what time of the day it is? And I was in, I think it was Fort Worth, Texas. I had 380 people in the room. I had them raise their hands with their eyes closed. I said, okay, leave your hands up and now open your eyes. 10 hands were up. Wow. I said, that's a problem. I said, if you're not happy going to work every day and you're not smiling, who are you fooling? I mean, you're not only fooling yourself, you're fooling every employee there because they can read right through that. They can see whether or not you want to be there. They can tell by the way you walk in and they can tell how you interact with people. And if you take the time to thank somebody and to give them a pin that says WIT, or I personally write every single birthday card for every employee in the company, I give them I used to give movie tickets. Now I've had to transfer that to Amazon gift cards. So I give them Amazon gift cards. I send thank yous to them for working over 55 hours. Uh, we pay double time for that. We pay double time over 50, so over 55. So we, uh, we reward them for that. 
I, I go out and I personally hand their anniversary awards to them. And last year we, we retired five people in the company. They were with us 39 years, 37 years, 33 years, and two of them had 30 years. So that was a number of anniversary awards, but we always personally hand those and we take a picture of it. And, and my brothers, a lot of times will accompany me if they can, but um, you have to be personally involved. You have to have the passion. You have to have the integrity. You have to, I mean, our core values are, are not what I mentioned. I mean, those are our core values as a, as a family, but we have core values for an organization. And one of those is fun. And the other one is family. I mean, we see it, family business is not who owns it. It's how you interact. Where we can have drawn out arguments and discussions, uh, heated discussions, but at the end of the day, we're still bound by something more than who we work for. And, and you really, I read a survey the other day that said, there is more stress created in an organization, not by people working long hours and enjoying what they do, but people working 40 hours and hating what they do. And it's the old Delbert commercial where they go home at night and they're kicking the dog and, and they're upset. And they said that creates more stress in an organization and in a family than anything. And my dad had what we call the 4.3 rule. 4.3 is whenever you make a decision or you have an action, it doesn't just affect you. It doesn't just affect the family. It doesn't just affect the employees. The average American household has 4.3 family members. It affects 4.3 people. So if we have 400 employees, that's over 1,600 people we can affect or infect with a good or bad activity or action or, or culture. So that's kind of, we, we try to extend that to our, our, our extended family and how we're affecting somebody when dad gets home or mom gets home in time to see them um, you know, hit a home run, you know, because we, we worked extra hard to make sure we adjusted the schedules and, and gave them a fun environment to work in. Awesome. Yeah, it's, there's a lot to running a business. It's not about what you do, it's how you do it. And, and, and it's about bringing those people in. And both of you guys, you know, again, why did I ask you guys to kick this off? I had a pretty good idea of how things were, were done within both of the businesses. And, you know, Anthony, I used the car wash. I was just there on Sunday and, you know, the guys come running up, you know, the employees come running up here. Let me put your card in for you. How you doing today? And it is amazing. It is not, it's not the same as some of your bigger competitors in town. You don't have the, the, the smiles that are coming at it. And the guy that was spraying my car inside of the, you know, the car wash was doing a little dance and, you know, just kind of, you know, jiving with you and making sure that he knew that, you know, he cared and the windows are down and you're not talking, you know, and you just, you, you still got that feeling. So you guys are doing a great job with it. That's that you have given the employees a purpose beyond profit. And both of you have some employees, you know, at some levels, you know, like you said, they're not making, millions of dollars a year they're making thousands you know they're not they're not in the you know the highest you know brackets and they're just over minimum wage in some in some areas but they still care because you've provided that purpose beyond profit and well uh anthony sometime remind me to tell you the whole food story you'll appreciate it but they have done a really great job of really you know putting that into their employees as well so we'll, uh, we'll do I'm working on a whole food story as we speak. It's just taking <laughs> a few extra years. <laughs> um, what else? You know, let's, t let's talk about 
you know, what would you say is, you know, your, your vision for success for your family and for your employees? And Anthony, I'm going to ask you to you know, dive in there. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, uh, What's interesting for me about that question, my, my brother and I share an office we have since uh, we were teenagers. Uh, my dad put us in an office, literally two desks in the same room. The room's about 25 feet long by 12 feet wide. Um, and, and he did it on purpose because he, he decided that we either needed to be getting along at an early stage of our partnership or understand that we weren't gonna get along at an early stage. Uh, and we do get along uh, remarkably well. Uh, very much yin and yang, my brother and I, very different personalities, but I'm, I'm straying. So the, the, what makes that question interesting is the fact that if you had asked my brother and I that question 10 years ago, it was probably a very different answer. Um, you know, obviously we have financial goals. We have, you know, how many car washes can I build and operate profitably, which is, you know, as much an ego thing as it is anything else. Uh, but it, it really has morphed into um, creating a platform where the, the, the leaders in our company, uh, we have a management team now of about 16 people, uh, average age is in their mid to late twenties. And, and these are kids who generally, you know, may have gone, may have gone to MCC for a couple of years. Uh, most of them graduated high school, but very few four year degrees. Uh, many of them started out working for us as a cook, a dishwasher, a busboy at the restaurants, and just kind of clung on to the family concept of what we were building. And we assured them that, again, as the widgets change, uh, you can change with us. And, and now they're making, you know, close to six figures and, and just, you know, doing tremendously well. So to answer your question, uh, getting, getting our company to a point, hopefully in the next five to eight years, where we can create something for our employees to take over uh, and continue to run with, you know, hopefully with some guidance from us. And, and if my or my brother's children want to participate in that, uh, you know, they certainly have a, 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 a better opportunity than some of the managers that are there now, at least to get in on the ground floor. Uh, but ultimately they'll have to earn it and, and they'll have to stand side by side with those managers and, and prove their worth and, and value to the company. Um, and so long, long, short answer, long, uh, creating a future for our, for, for, for the management team. That's really the backbone of the company at this point, uh, in making it happen every day. Nice. Love it. Ray, how would you, how would you guys define success when it comes to both the family and the employees? Um, still getting along, still loving each other and having people that want to be here. I guess it's a summation. I did mention it before though. We, uh, our goal and my job is to really create an equity business. And that is where the ownership exists first and foremost to support the business. Yeah. There are so many family businesses that turn into lifestyle businesses where the business exists first and foremost to support the lifestyle of the owner. I think the word write-off was developed by a family business owner because I mean, it, it, the succession strategies and tax strategies are, and I personally believe that they are completely in opposite directions of each other. So the best tax strategy is the worst succession strategy. And when you create an organization where you have a lifestyle business, and it's usually signified by the private parking spots with the 
with the personalized uh, license plates with the class, you know, the, the, the luxury car parked in it right by the front door because God forbid the owner has to walk any more than two feet to get in the front door. Everybody that has the last name of the company has uh, two initials after it, V and P. In the back shop are all the toys. The, the employees are loading up outside and things like that. It, it's, they see that. I mean, you can't affect an organization any more than what you throw in somebody's face and how, you, how you've run the business where there's two sets of rules, there's two sets of operation. I mean, to have one of my brothers who was an equal owner with me take his orders literally from a person who's been with us about eight years and is probably half his age, uh, but is the service manager, has earned his way up. We've created that, that opportunity where there is no glass ceiling because it is a family business and anybody can be successful. And I, I love, Anthony, you're in a great place because I have about the same thing. We're average age in the 30s, but that leadership team that are going to be making, and that's currently are making some very good money, um, salary-wise, you know, they, they can support their families and be, have a great living. And salary-wise, some of them make more money than all the owners. I have salespeople that might make more money than me, which, you know what, that's an equity business. Because right. if you have set up everything properly, you have an, a business that is run like General Electric. And at the end of the year, you've done very well. You've set up the order and you, everybody knows the rules of engagement and how the game's going to be played. And if you play the game right, then and only then do you get your reward. And that is how we've always run uh, Isaac. And as I said, it's, it's like General Electric where we could have we don't currently, but we could have an owner who isn't part of the business and they can't just walk in and tell people what to do. Um, and we had that for years. My sister was an owner, but she wasn't in the business and she didn't even have a key to the place. There was no reason for her. And just as I could be an owner in stock of General Electric and I can't walk in and tell anybody what to do. You know, so that's, I think that is the one thing we family businesses miss. They, they put too much emphasis on the word family and they forget that it is still a business. Not that family can't create a great environment, but they forget that is this is a business. And that 4.3 rule comes into place because if the place fails, you have a lot of people you're affecting beyond just yourself and the owners. And if you make a dumb move or a dumb decision as the owners or as the leadership, that has a, a exponential effect. So we, we need to start getting back to running it like a business and, you can still have nice little elements, but you know, your employees, when at the end of the day, they want to know that their job is safe and that they're going to be taken care of and they're empowered and enabled to make decisions that are for the benefit of the customer and themselves, and they're going to be okay. Great. Where do we want to go next? I, I, I think where I want to go next is talking about the past a little bit. Let's go back to history. When you look at you know the business, you look at transitions, you look at just you know we're sitting here in this world of COVID nineteen, and for all of us, life is different today than it was a year ago. Um, I sent out a, an email to clients yesterday and said um, I'm giving my team Fridays off in the month of August um, because they're working harder than normal. They're working, you know, they're working more hours. They're not taking vacation. And I want to make sure that they're healthy and they're mentally healthy. So take August, we'll take some Fridays. It doesn't affect anybody. 
Um, but what the, the line that I put in there is a year ago, if I walked into a bank with a mask on, they'd be screaming and yelling. Now, if I walk into a bank without a mask on, they're screaming and yelling. And so, you know, things have changed. And so, you know, what were some of the things that defined, you know, your businesses, your family businesses, what were some of the hard, you know, what were some of the hard things that, you know, the family has gone through, through the years, the business has gone through. What day is it? <laughs> we don't have that much time right i know i know uh and you can you can go let me let me get some thought hey uh, you think about it same right. stories um, yeah it probably is similar um you know so so the challenges i guess as relates to a family business um you know there there's certainly uh challenges in working with relatives and family um you know there's uh, you know, we we benefited by the fact that it's just my brother and I, uh, as much as it would have been great to have more siblings from a family standpoint, it would have made things much more complicated from a business standpoint. Uh, and, and my brother and I have gotten along, but but there are things that we don't agree on, obviously. And, and we have a system where uh, my father is the tiebreaker and uh, no questions asked. And, and we always commit to uh, whether it goes my way or it goes my brother's way, whatever that third decision is. Uh, and, you know, we, we have an opportunity to make, you know, to present my father with our side and the facts and et cetera. Uh, and, and while we may not agree with the outcome, uh, we pledge to move forward 100% and not hold any grudges, not, not you know, I told you so or ambush or, or sabotage, I should say, uh, the decision that wasn't necessarily our choice. So, so we've had a few of those. Um, you know, there, there are struggles in business and, uh, you know, I, mean, I, I joke about the Whole Foods project, but, you know, I'm, I'm fighting Wegmans, you know, the Wegmans family who doesn't want a Whole Foods there and they certainly have deeper pockets than I do. And, and uh, you know, that, that creates a lot of stress in the family and, and it creates a lot of stress in decision making. Uh, you know, every week we're forced to make certain decisions that have significant financial uh, consequences. And, you know, depending on our mood, depending on what else is going on in, in our personal lives and, and with, with other businesses that we have, um, you know, it, it adds a significant amount of stress. To, to Ray's point, though, uh, you know, I've got a management team that's doing a phenomenal job with our car washes. And it's very important that while, you know, I want to put my fist through a door sometimes because of something unrelated to my car wash business, I can't go out there and take it out on my car wash employees. I can't take it off on my, take it out on my office staff who is busting their butt uh, to make the company work. Um, and, and so managing that stress, um, you know, and, and I like to, we, we do a lot of taking our staff out to lunch, taking them out to dinner, doing some one-on-one -on -one stuff. Uh, and, and we really do put our heart and cards on the table with them so that they do understand that, Hey, I'm, you know, I may lose my cool sometimes, not at you, but, but, you know, we have a small office, thin walls. They hear us yelling. They hear us slamming the phone down. Uh, you know, that stuff is real. It happens. And, and we want them to know that, Hey, you know, it's not about, I'm not mad at you. It's, it's, it's stress that I'm dealing with. And, and I want you to be patient. And if you think I take it too far, I want you to come in my office and tell me that I'm being, a, you know, a, 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 I was going to swear, but I know you're gonna I'm not sure what this, I'm not sure what this podcast is rated, but yeah, no, they're you're, welcome. You're they're welcome to come in and, and put me in my place and tell me to cool down or, or just, you know, go outside and take a walk or, 
take the rest of the day off and, and work from home so that I'm not being a toxic element in my own business. And, and there are times where, you know, the challenges, there are times where I am a toxic element in my business uh, because of outside factors that are creating a, a bad person and a bad leader. Uh, and, and being able to, my brother being able to tell me, me being able to tell my brother, my staff being able to tell me, hey, you, you need to leave for a little bit because, uh, it, you know, it, it's not the culture. It, it's not building the culture. It's taking it down. And uh, th those are challenges, you know, and they're real. And, and it's, you know, I, I, I'm looking at all the names of the people uh, on this screen. And as much as we all have very successful businesses, and I, I know we're all very proud of what we built. Uh, you know, it's not all a bed of roses either. You know, there are thorns on those stems and, and you have to learn to deal with those too. Yeah. And it's, it's nice that you and your brother, have, you know, have figured out some governance, you know, and how do we make decisions as a family? That's a huge key. I talk about it um, with people all the time. Patrick Lencioni, if you haven't read Patrick Lencioni books, the five dysfunctions of a team. That's what you're talking about. It's like, just give each other the opportunity to plead our case and talk about it because I want them to know that I'm being listened and heard. And then, but once we do make a decision, regardless of whether it was mine or not, we're going forward. And that's really healthy. That's really, really healthy. Good job on that. The other thing that you mentioned that I didn't realize is that, you know, there's other siblings. Do you, how many, how many siblings in the business? You know, it's the two, the two of you. How many siblings not in the business? Well, no, that's uh, so. What made it easier is that it is just the two of us. It's so, just the two of you. Got yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. I thought I heard it differently. I just clearing yeah. that up. Okay. Thanks. That's good stuff. You know, and it's it's okay to be human. It's not okay to make it toxic and and and, and to and to do those things. And my wife, um, God bless her. Tuesday, she's bike riding and um, hit some pebbles and fell. And, uh, you know, she broke her hip. Um, so yeah, a little, little touch and go. And we have a, a 13 week old puppy in the house. And if you remember what I said, you know, we're working from home. So maybe Wednesday or Thursday after dealing with some of this stuff, I had to, you know, tell my team, I'm like, guys, you know, help me out here. If I, if I need to step back from things, I'm, I'm way overwhelmed right now. Um, you know, I love animals. I just love other people's better. Um, <laughs> just, and right, you know, doing the puppies, we brought the puppy in cause she's a teacher and off. So it's like, you're juggling all those things. I get it. You know, it's just stress from other places. Um, we're sitting at, Anthony, you went first. Uh, go ahead, Ray, thoughts on that same conversation. Yeah, again, you, you mentioned some of this pretty uh, interesting with Lencioni's book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. The first dysfunction is an absence of trust. And there's a nice book that I love. Uh, it's called Trust and Betrayal in the Workplace, and it feeds off of that. And the main saying in that book is trust begets trust and trust begins with you. And the leaders often lament that their, their subordinates or their people that follow them do not trust them. And the main concept in the book is do they know you trust them. And that's the thing, you need to give that trust to your employees. And, and I, I love what Anthony said earlier is that, you know what, my dad had the same saying, you know, you'll always get a free pass if you can tell me you thought it was right for the client. If you did something, you thought it was right for the client. That's part of what I call my four E's of engagement, education, empowerment, and enablement. We need to enable our people to execute and enjoy what they do. Um, one thing that is unique, my dad, he was our tiebreaker. You had two and two, we have, or one and one, we have four, so there could be two and two. 
And we're sitting around one day, and my dad was put in the position of being a tiebreaker. And he stopped, and he looked up. He says, guys, at 82 years old, the last effing thing I want to be is the tiebreaker with you. I don't want half of you being unhappy with me and the other half being okay with me. He says, you're going to have to decide something else. So we went to a unanimous only rule that we have to unanimously agree, and somebody's going to have to give. So he, uh, it was the funniest thing to we all just kind of laugh and we said, yeah, you're right. At this point, you've, you've spent your whole life breaking up battles between four boys. We're not going to take you into that place anymore. But we did go with, um, with the unanimous rule. We had some tough times. Luckily, as a company, we've never lost money as a, as a company. So the financial stress is there, but being in different positions in the company and doing different things, it wasn't uh, co-CEOs and I've never been a fan of that. I and personally, I and mean, maybe I'm probably wrong in that, but I always said, oh, okay, somebody couldn't get along uh, with somebody else being the CEO. So that's why they made them both CEOs. And I bring that up in one of my keynotes that I do, but we've had, um, we've had our battles. The thing that we always say though, is that you never bring them to work. We could be fighting. We never have a board meeting in these four walls. We never have a discussion about ownership issues. We'll meet over at Bill Grace. Um, you know, we used to meet at Mario's. We used to you know, do little things like that outside of here because the last thing you want is your employees looking at a, an argument between the owners and wondering, am I safe? And that safety is a, is a main thing. And there's one philosophy that our leadership team has had drilled into their head, and it's called It's Showtime. When you get out of the truck or the car in the morning, it's showtime. And even before that, it's showtime. Nobody cares if you had a bad drive into work or if you had a fight with somebody. They only care, really, and they should only care about how they're going to be treated and how they're going to uh, conduct their day in your company. So that's something I learned from a guy named Michael Alasso, who was a speaker. I belong to Vistage, which is a great organization, and that's kind of my outside board of directors to keep me centered and, you know, sometimes slap me upside the head on, on things that I'm going awry. I love it. Um, you talked, you've talked about a couple of books. I brought up a couple of books. Here's a question. How many books a year do each of you read? I'm a lazy reader. I fall asleep in about two minutes. I'm an audibler. That's um, okay. That counts. Yep. I'm an audibler. I'm a voracious audibler. I know Harry Truman said, uh, not all readers lead, but all leaders read. So I, I always subscribe to that. I'm up to over a hundred and something books. And some of those are 56 hours of listening. Um, so I probably get in close to a dozen and probably one a month uh, on Audible, which is great because it's a great way to pass the time driving to work. Well, it's phenomenal. I, a lot of my clients, you know, I have clients that some are, you know, in Rochester, but the vast majority of them are Elmira and Cortland and Syracuse. And, you know, I'm all over the place. So what I'm missing most about this COVID thing is I would have a two hour ride to Elmira and a two hour ride back a book at one and a half speed on audible. I'm getting it done, you know, and mm -hmm. we're not doing that right now. Anthony. Well, this would be a perfect time for me to say I do 13 a year, but no, that would be, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> it's the advantage of you going, no. Uh, now I, I as well, I, I don't, I actually have a book here at the lake that I'm trying to read. Uh, but I'll, I'll probably listen to probably eight books a year uh, that come from recommendations, but we, we do try to do some sort of education uh, once a year where my brother and I will go 
not, not always both of us, but most of the time it's both, both of us, uh, either an Anthony Robbins leadership uh, academy or uh, some, you know, down in Florida, we'll go to something at a, you know, at a posh hotel somewhere and, and spend 36 hours in, in a conference room. And uh, there's a lot of peer stuff that we do with uh, the car wash industry. They do a pretty cool job. Uh, with some peer conferences. And, uh, you know, I, I tend to feed more off of this type of environment where we're talking to each other and I'm listening to people's stories. Uh, but education is, you know, paramount if, if you're going to succeed. And, and, and I believe that uh, it expands your mind and helps you grow. And it's kind of neat for my brother and I to do it together because, again, we're in the same office. Uh, and so we kind of feed off of what's the last thing we went to. Uh, and, and it's kind of refreshing and, and, you know, reiterates what we learned three months ago. Do you, do you remember when he said this? Do you remember when she said that? Uh, Love it. That's what, what brought it up was one, we talked about a couple books and Ray, you said something, it sounded like it just came right from Jack Stack's The Great Game of Business, you know, and, and so that's what got me thinking about it. So, um, we're up on, on one o'clock now. What I want to do is if you were to give, you know, a little bit of advice to another family owned business and, I, and part of me is sitting here going, Ray, Anthony's, you know, G2, they haven't gone into G3 yet. So if you were coach, you know, brought Ray in or somebody else in his position, what do you, what are you saying to him? to, you know, make sure don't miss these things. And I think you've covered a lot of it, you know, so it's, you know, I, you, know you, you may have said all those things that you want to say already, but, um, and then Anthony, you know, talking to somebody who's, you know, in your position or, you know, looking at the, the things that you're looking at down the road to say, how do I get there? You know, um, what would you share with, you know, some of the family businesses that are going to be listening to this in the future? Ray, I'll let you. Yeah, again, it, it would have to go back to the equity business, just in my research and my analysis and running it like a business. Um, the other thing is just because you're the SOB doesn't need, mean you need to be an SOB. And the SOB is son of the boss. Don't be an SOB, you know, because it's sometimes that can creep in and that's where that 4% success rate. And if you're not passionate, find something else to do. I actually had my resume out there and I was looking for a job and a buddy of mine asked me why. And I told him all these things I wanted to do in the, the business that I would, you know, was looking to go work for. And he looked at me and says, why can't you do them at Isaac? And it was a turning point for me. And I realized, you know what, I can do them here. And, you know, if we run it properly like a business and take that risk to maybe make the change and don't get caught into the legacy trap and live by dogma. I love my dad. I, I'm sure I would have loved my grandfather. I never met him that I can remember. I was a It's your time. And when they come in with an idea, I always ask them, are you asking me or telling me? If you're asking me, I'll give you my opinion. If you're telling me, let me know how it works out. I, I've empowered you and I enable you to, to do it. You're on mute, Michael. Oh, yeah. there we go. I can read lips, so I think it's my turn. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Anthony. Yeah. Um, that was a great answer, Ray. And, and, uh, I guess I guess the advice that I would give, uh, I'm not sure it's as much a family business, but uh, a question 
but not staying profit centered. Uh, you know, you have to make money. There, there, I mean, at the end of the day, you create a company and you, you go to work every day so that you can provide for your family and hopefully build wealth for the next generation, et cetera. So profit is, is very, very important. Uh, but as Ray said so well, it can't start there um, because it won't work long term. Short term, you know, you can go to the casino and be profit centered and maybe have a great night and, and it worked out well. But if you try to do that every day, it's just a, it's a bad formula uh, for the long haul. And uh, so, so really going back to the keywords, the passion, the integrity, uh, culture, you know, you really have to love what you're creating and love the people that you're working with. And, and, and if there are toxic elements in that organization, including if you're the toxic element, uh, you, you know, for the betterment of, of the business, you need to get out. Uh, again, our biggest challenge is going to be, you know, what's gonna happen with the next generation. And, and Ray, you said it best, you know, when my brother and I, both of us went to Auburn University in Auburn, Alabama, and uh, before we came back, my father asked, you know, do you guys wanna come back and work in the business? And he said, if you guys don't, you know, put your resume, he had a plan and he made sure that we knew he had a plan on what he would do if we chose not to go in the business. And, and he, whether he was fine with it or not, I don't, I'll never know. Uh, but he convinced us that he was fine with us not going into the business. So there was no pressure. And, and that's, again, I'm not sure I'm doing a great job of it, but you know, not making my kids feel like they have to carry on the legacy because again, ha have to, is a toxic word. If you're going to work because you have to, uh, again, it's not a long-term play. It's a short-term play. And, uh, and so, you know, if, if they are passionate about it, great. If they're not, that's okay too. have a plan because it may not be, you know, and, and that's why when I say my plan is to have my group of managers take the business over if they choose to in five to 10 years, uh, to me, that's a plan. My kids want to be a part of that. Great. If they don't, that's okay too. Um, I don't know if I answered the question, but no, that's per that's great. I, I would throw to you um, the the what what pops into my head is because um, you're just you're you're just on that cusp. Like Ray said, you know, it's four percent that makes it to the next generation. So you have your work cut out for you. Um, there, are, you know, Cornell has a family business center. St. John Fisher has one. Um, I happen to have more resources than you can shake a stick at. So if you want a couple of books, I'm happy to send them your way. But it, what you're talking about is a family employment policy. And they're all things that it's like, you know, I don't have to do these in any other business. But because we're a family owned business, there are certain things that if we want to be successful for generations, if that's in anybody's head, um, that, uh, that would come through. So a, a family employment policy, you know, might be helpful. You guys, one, thank you for putting up with our technical difficulties today. We'll, we'll get this thing together. You guys have been great. I really enjoyed this. Um, I was telling my team for, you know, since, since this was start, started to come together, how excited I was because this is what it's really all about. It's the voice of the family business. It's, it's hearing your stories and other people's stories so that somebody else doesn't have to either make the same mistake or can take the idea and utilize it in their business. And that, you know, 
we can support each other. And you know, when we look at the GDP of the US and how much of it is coming from family owned businesses, it's really all of our responsibilities to kind of be a giant vestige for one another. And that's kind of what I'm looking at this, you know, as is, you know, how do we get this information out there for people? So I, again, I, I can't thank you enough for kicking this off together. You guys have been great. Thank Our you, Harvey. Thanks for, yeah, thanks so, for the opportunity. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Some of you that are on uh, the call right now will be getting an email from me shortly to be future guests, not no names mentioned um, right this second. But uh, we really appreciate you know, everybody joining us. Um, again, I'm Family Wealth and Legacy, Michael Columbus. Um, you know, check out our website. We're getting a new one shortly. And if there's anything that we can do to help, you know, your family business, whether it's a, just a consultation or just the name of a book to help you with something, we're there for you. Um, Ray and I, you know, when COVID was happening, we started talking about scaling up and the, the ability to scale up versus scaling down. And, you know, that's, you know, when we're helping businesses, family businesses grow, where that came from for us was, the, you know, when a family said, Geez, we had two, three family members, four family members, you know, running family business and living off of it. Now we've got eight. How are we going to do this? And growing it's the only way to, to, to do it. Um, I, I just want to, you know what, as, I, as, I'm, as I'm signing off here, does anybody have any questions or thoughts or things that they want to ask Ray? And Anthony, if you guys don't mind. Um, no, I would, I would just like to say um, thank you to both of them. And uh, so much of what they had to say rings very true from our organization's point of view as well. Thanks, Bern. Thanks, Bern. Yeah, I, can, I, could, I could say a lot, but I'll be quick. I have so, so many fond memories of Anthony and Ray's uh, uh, fathers actually for different reasons. Um, I did a little business with with Mario and and certainly Jim. Jim, I have fond memories memories of. And one comment I just have to say um, that anytime I feel really hot outside or really cold, I know Jim Isaac is smiling, so it always makes me happy. So <laughs> anyway, thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. All right, everybody, have a great week. We look forward to having you on the next episode. If you are a family business that would love to be a part of the, you know, part of this show, you know, let me know. If you know of a family business that should be part of this and be sharing their stories, let us know as well. Enjoy. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Family Biz Show. We appreciate your time and trust to deliver the best guests and most cutting-edge information to help you maximize your family business. Being part of a family is tough. Add a business to that, and it gets even tougher. Tune in next week as we strive to ease your journey with The Family Biz Show. The content presented is for informational and educational purposes. The information covered and posted are views and opinions of the guests and not necessarily those of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Michael Columbus is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Financial Affiliates and other fine companies. 
Family Wealth and Legacy LLC is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.